Hello, hey everyone. Welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast with Alan and Trent. And uh, Alan, you know, it's that time of the year. It's getting to be fall and the church, annual church year for a lot of our churches that we're involved with or people that listen to us. It seems to happen in September, October, where there's this process that they go through with lots of gnashing of teeth and um you know worries and and a lot of numbers and and i'm not great at math so help us to understand what we're going to talk about today yeah it was a real toss-up because by that very intro i thought are we talking about pumpkin spice are we talking about (laughs) something else yeah but we're going to talk about budgets today and we just kind of want to give you some tips i know um the budget time can be a hard time and we want to pick up some different things that maybe we normally talk about when it comes into budget season and maybe some specific things for this year. But anyway, let's uh, kind of jump into it because we've got 10 things. That's an awful lot of them. Yeah, that's great. And, and uh, you know, we're, we'll probably throw in some other things, but I think the very first thing that you have on our list today is so important. In fact, this is going to be the theme of our association this year is praying and so praying for your budget process is a great place to start. Yeah, you know, we give so much lip service to prayer, but we we really shouldn't. Prayer is so important to what we're doing. So are you praying for your budget? Are you praying about guidance and about where you spend your money and how you spend your money? It's a very serious matter to be entrusted um, as stewards of what God has blessed us with. And we need to take that responsibility very serious and be very serious with our budget. We keep seeing, you know, in Southern Baptist life, which is our circle and other organizations where people have been irresponsible with budgets. And there is a need for accountability there. And our first accountability is to God. So we honestly should talk to him before we talk to anyone else about it. Yeah, accountability, that's one of those four-letter words with a lot of extra letters. Um, it's Nobody likes it, but it's so important, you know, and you're right. There, We've seen example after example of churches or maybe a staff member that it gets caught being very unethical with their budget money or the way that they do their spend expenditures. And so that puts it a huge negative light on churches and and it makes everybody tense and so we need to be following god's principles and we also need to be seeking god's leadership not just us making a plan and say god bless it but instead god what do you want to do yeah yeah that's exactly what we're talking about let's let god get in the driver's seat and drive us where we need to go with this so once we've done that one of the places that I think he's going to drive us towards is to really look at our past trends and where we've been so we can understand uh, where we're going. One of the first places, Trent, that we encourage people to start is your per capita giving. And per capita giving is really taking a look at, take your attendance, include everyone in your church who shows up on any given week, and divide that by how much is, or use that as the divisor for how much is given, and get an idea of how much people are giving per person and look over past years. Is that trend growing? Is it shrinking? Is it staying about the same and get a good idea on per capita giving? Yeah. And, and I, I think I would include also, as you look at those trends of per capita giving and your growth and decline, also look at the age of your um, congregants. Uh, you know, what is their demographics in your congregation? Because typically, you know, if your congregation is all older, 
they may be great givers. Unfortunately, they won't be long-term givers. Um, and so if, you, if you've got a congregation that's mostly young families, they're not going to be as good a givers right now, but they may grow to become better givers. And so just looking at that demographic of age and, and where they are in their um, life pattern, how that fits together with your uh, per capita giving, I think that would be helpful. Yeah, you know, Trent, one thing that's happening is our congregations are aging and we see that people are aging into their 80s and 90s. Some of those folks who ha thought they had disposable income in their 70s don't have the same amount of disposable income. They've had to really cut back on their on their giving and on their lifestyle. So as they get into their 80s, they have actually less to give. So even what your senior adults are, are giving may need to go down based on what their age factor is and all of that. So keep in mind those things. Also keep in mind where your church is going. If you've been through a split or you've mm -hmm. seen a decline in your numbers because a business closed down and everyone left the community, plan for that to impact your budget. It's only realistic that those things affect our budget. So are you in a growth pattern? Have new people been coming to your church? Are you in a wonderful season? Well, anticipate some growth. I mean, that's okay if you have a trend and you can verify that that's happening. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. And and it does, you know, not only your church, but as you mentioned, Alan, being able to look at the community around your church. How are things happening in your church? You mentioned maybe a business had, had shut down and you've lost some jobs in the community, or maybe you're in a place where there's new uh, jobs being planted, you know, there's new folks coming into the community. And so that can be a, a hopeful planning. So yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of that that I think is so important just to get a big picture of what's happening in the church and around the church. Yeah, because your past performance is your best indicator of your future performance. So you got to keep those things in mind. So Trent, those are a couple of things we do on the front end, but here's something you can do even right now ask yourself this, do your people in your church know your church's vision and priorities? Um, if people know your vision and priorities, they're going to, they're more likely to give to the church. If they don't know your vision and priorities, they're less likely to give to the church. I think this is a great picture, Alan. And I'm going to ask you another question here just to kind of explain, because maybe some churches have never done this or they've never used those terms. So when you think of a church's vision and priorities, what would be some things that people would need to know? It can be a little bit different in every church, but most church centers around a few key items that you focus in on. So, you know, the cliche is we're a disciple making church that makes disciples who make disciples or whatever like that. But how can you express that? You know, how do we make disciples? Can your people tell you what is this is our process for making disciples? And this is why this is important to us. You know, it can't be just a vision statement. But what is it that your church is really about? And do people know what it's really about? And do they rally around that cause? Or do they rally around a bunch of individual causes within your church? You know, statistically, we realize that people give to causes. So if you're really good at advertising your Christmas offering for missions and you're really good at advertising uh, a special offering you're doing for a special project, but you don't have a great vision, you're going to find out that people give to what they what there's a cause for, but they're not giving to the whole of what's going on. So the more the more you attach who you are to a vision and priorities that you communicate regularly, 
the more likely are people are to give to the whole of the ministry. And I think that's something that we lose sight of in there, because what happens with most pastors is you create a vision statement. You spend all this time with your leadership team creating vision and values and all those kinds of things, and then you never communicate them. Mm-hmm. because you communicate them once or twice and you assume everyone's got it and they don't get it. And the new people don't get it. You've got to communicate and communicate. It's got to be on things. People have to got to know what you're pushing. And so that's, that's really important. So if you've got a good compelling vision, people will give. And, and so something to go alongside that is not only coming up with, you know, praying through your vision statement, your priorities for your church, but then do you communicate them, as Alan just said? Then do you have action plans to go with that? I mean, yeah, you can talk about a vision statement and priorities all day long, but if you don't have any action plans and if you don't have any budget money that is designated to make those things work, it's not a vision plan. It's just some words that you maybe stick on a bulletin. So you need to have both of those things to go with that. Yeah, that's a great addition in on that comment. I appreciate you saying that. Well, Trent, there's one that I want to be real practical with. You and I were talking about this before we started today, and this is a conversation so many of my pastors are having, but that's to expect insurances to increase significantly. And I don't mean just a little, I mean a lot. Yeah, and it's, it may be different in different parts of the country. I know Alan's in Texas, and they're dealing with crazy um, increases uh, here in Missouri. We are also having increases, maybe not to the amount that they are dealing with in Texas, but maybe wherever you are, uh, it would be good so that you're not blindsided by this. And maybe that if you don't receive your budget or your statement from your insurance until later on in the year, you might want to go ahead and contact them and say, hey, what's this going to be like? because we're doing our budget planning now. Um, So make a phone call, get a heads up so that you have a better picture. Uh, We were doing this in our our office. We were putting together our budget. And then right after we finished our planning, we received a statement for health insurance that was increased and we weren't prepared for that. So we had to go back to the budgeting process and adjust that again. So just save yourself a little bit of time and make a phone call if you don't know those numbers. Yeah, and one of the things to be mindful of, not only health insurance, expect an increase. It never goes down. It always goes up. But your facility insurance and the one we were talking about here in Texas, over the last two years, almost every church has seen their insurance on their building at least double. And in some cases, it's been more, it's been more than that. And in other cases, they've been dropped because they've had a claim. And then what do you do? You have to go shop insurance on in the private sector in a more private sector that's um, not typical, not typically used by churches. And then you have to worry about your umbrella coverage for legal issues and all those kinds of things. So there's a lot to consider with all that's going on. If you're a church is in a situation where you could provide some kind of self-insurance against yourself, that might be advisable, but you're going to have to find some creative solutions to these costs. Yeah, and I know that it's tempting. Insurance is one of those things you hate to spend money on because it's like you just spend money and then you don't have any return on your investment. It's a terrible investment. But I would encourage you, you know, you mentioned the legal issues of the umbrella policy. 
this is so important if you're you have staff that are well, any staff actually, but you think about those who work with children. Um, you're, if you do any sort of uh, counseling, you may not even call it counseling, but pastoral ministry that you're meeting with couples or whatever. People can make claim against you and, and you're stuck if you don't have that, that backing of that insurance to cover you. Yeah, and even just the benign things of not having um, insurance if someone slips and falls, all those mm -hmm. kinds of things. You need that umbrella policy. You may self-insure your building, but you need an umbrella policy to cover you in legal matters. So just know that. Go into this eyes wide open. Do not look at your insurance from this past year and assume there won't be a significant increase because I feel fairly confident there will be. Yeah, it would be very unusual for there not to be an increase, right? Well, so the next, poli or next policy, <laughs> I've been thinking insurance now, but the next item on our list is to speak truthfully regarding items in your budget. And so um, I hope that that committee that you have that puts together your budget and your plan um, is looking and talking to everybody in your church, uh, especially your staff people. Your staff people should be able to give um, not only accountability on what they've spent in the past year, but also a plan of what they expect to do in the coming year. Not just throw out a number or say, hey, give us the same we had last year. Why should we? Well, you've got to have some plans. Um, and so I think that every ministry leader and your staff should be interviewed and expected to, to say, this is what we hope to do. Yes, and you need to be truthful, truthful with all your information in there. So don't cover things up. Don't hide things. Don't, don't put things in places they don't belong. Be as honest and upfront as you can. And if you messed up in an area, it's happened in every church. We've budgeted certain amounts in certain areas, and we've gone way over in those areas. So don't don't try to cover it up. Say it costs us more than we we didn't know. I mean, this year when people got their budget increases on on insurance, church, our insurance is six thousand dollars more than we thought it was going to be. We have to absorb this. This isn't an option for us. We have to absorb it. Absorb it. And if that church is already in financial straits, that's just something, another strait that they've got to absorb. But be honest about it so you, that your people know what's going on. And that actually builds trust, even when it's hard. It, it's yeah. good to build trust. I agree, Alan. And, you know, we, we put together these committees, you know, with people that are very good at financial. Um, they can put together the plan well. But they can't put together an effective plan if they don't have all the information. So you want to give them as much information as you possibly can. Um, and so the the next thing I think is really interesting, Alan. And so I want you to take some time to explain this. But but recognizing the value of people. What are you thinking there as you think about the budget process? Well, you know, one of the hard things that we always do is we balance the cost of personnel with the ministry that we're doing. You know, a church really survives because it has a family of people who all share the work of ministry. But to do the work of ministry, we typically have overseers or pastors and staff people who help us do that work. And we need to be mindful that we need to take care of all those people, that we need to do our part to be to be conscientious of what they've got going on and recognize that we need to pay them well. And sometimes to pay them well means you can't pay as many. And so how do you balance all of that? 
And there's a lot more churches that are moving to stipend approaches and other things like that. Yeah, so the idea is, and this is true in the business world and in church life, there is what we call opportunity cost. You have choices that you have to make. You can either have a large staff that isn't paid as much, or you can have a smaller staff that is paid better. Um, you can have a smaller staff and have maybe more money for ministries. And, and so it's it's an opportunity cost. You make the choice. Do you want to do this? A, you know, vision A, then, okay, you're, it's going to cost you. But if you do that, you can't do B, C, D. You know, you've got to keep all those things in mind. Yeah, and people are, are important. And so how do you balance all of that? We always have to make tough calls and tough decisions. And if you have to make a hard decision regarding someone, let's say you can't afford their position or you're going to have to change their position from full-time to part-time or something like that, remember their value. It may be that you have to have a tough conversation and make some tough decisions, but find a way to help them land, find a way to help them find another ministry if need be. Do your best to remember how important the that person is they're not just a casualty of the number yeah so you know as you do your budget planning make sure you're thinking about people and, and how to to be a blessing to them that's what the church is called to do the people in your church and the people outside your church which leads us to the next next number here on our list is to be a tithing church and so alan what does it mean for a church to be a tithing church well, you and I grew up in different environments. Trent, you didn't grow up active in the church. I grew up active in the church. The first dollar I ever got, I was taught to take 10 cents, and I was taught to put that in the, in the offering at the church and all those kinds of things. When I became a pastor, my grandfather, who helped teach me to tithe, also said, Alan, your church needs to be a tithing church. If you're going to be a healthy church, you need to give at least 10% to missions. And I've never really forgotten that, that I want to have a healthy church. And that goal is that my church should give at least 10% back into mission endeavors. And they, a lot of different kind of mission endeavors. I'm not here to tell you where, how you allocate those funds, but how much of that is going into, into some form of mission activity. And so I've always tried to keep, keep that in mind. I know a church in Colorado, 25% um, of their budget went back into missions. What a special thing. That church was known known for uh, needing a passport to be a member of that church because you were going to be going somewhere in the world on a mission trip with them. But be a, be a giving church. Be a church that gives back. If you're going to ask people to tithe, be willing to, to set that example. Yeah, and so when I would uh, talk with the churches that I pastored about this, Alan, I would always talk to them about um, garden hoses that, you know, you don't kink the hose and hold the hold the water in the hose because it gets stinky and nobody wants to drink from that. So um, instead, we're supposed to be like a conduit. It, the water flows from God through us to the needs of the world. And, and so we don't want to keep that flow. We want to let it flow through us and God will keep getting it. Because if we stop the flow, God will stop giving that money to us. And so just as you said, we need to be a, a church that is giving to missions. That is, you know, we're not holding it. And, and people don't give to savings accounts either. Uh, you know, if your church has a massive savings account, they'll be like, well, why should I give? They don't need my money. But instead, let's be giving to missions, as Alan said. 
Yeah. So be a tithing church. I love that, that idea, that concept. I've talked to some churches who've never heard that before, but I think it's a really healthy conversation. So if your church, if your church and you're listening to this, your church is given one or 2% or you don't have any mission causes that you're giving to out of your budget regularly, I want to challenge you. You can never outgive God. You've probably told your people in your congregation that. I want to encourage your church to take that same mentality. I think one of the reasons that so many of our churches are struggling today is because whenever they've hit a financial road bump, that the first place they stop is with their mission giving. And I say that's the last place we should stop. So just something to think about. You can agree to disagree with me if you want to, but I really believe that's an important principle. And I also think this this is really important for us today too. Many of our churches have a lot of building and they're only getting used for a few hours a week. Um, if you've got unused space, it's very, very costly. So how can you make use of your space? So, and this, this requires some creativity um, for sure, because, um, you know, you just need to take an inventory, walk around your church. Are there some parts of your building that have, haven't been used in months or years? Um, and as Alan said, most churches are only used maybe just a few hours a Is that a space that um, could be used for another church that is needing a place to meet? Um, maybe a ministry in the community? Let me tell you about um, when we were in Odessa, we had a good friend that um, they had a great church. They And talk about a mission-hearted church. They just really were. And they, they found a Hispanic church that was just starting and they couldn't really afford a building. And so they invited them to come and meet in part of their building. And I tell you what, that pastor always had the best Mexican food there was in town because those ladies would bless him all the time with that, which is, <laughs> in my mind, that's a pretty darn good reason to do that. But no, it, 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 uh, it helped that church, you know, and, and the people in the existing church, they became excited about what God was doing, not only in their church, but in the Hispanic group that was also meeting in their building. Yeah, you've got to be willing to look at all the creative possibilities. Um, one church here in the Dallas area, um, they recognize that times have changed for their church. Their facility was built, I think, in the late 80s or early 90s. Uh, it was a brand new facility. I actually remember going into that church when it was brand new. And now they've actually turned it into three separate facilities and they have sold off two of the facilities and now only use what was one third of their church facility now because again the space wasn't being used and it was costing them a lot more than they could afford so they shed themselves of some unneeded buildings so that they could be more effective in ministry and take care of what they do have because again times have changed a lot of churches have gymnasiums that never ever get used and it costs an awful lot to insure those it costs an awful lot to heat and cool those what are you doing with your unused space? Find a way to use it or find a way to get rid of it, but that's an anchor on your budget. Yeah, and that affects the numbers we talked about just a moment ago with insurance. Uh, and maybe that could t loosen up some of those purse strings. You know, you don't have to deal with so much insurance. Maybe it also gives you a little more funding to do missions that God has placed on your heart. And so... Uh, think about that. As, you know, how are you using it? If it's all being used, then wonderful. Um, 
celebrate that. But if there's some that's not been used, then find a way to be creative and use it in a new way. So the next thing that we have on our list, Alan, is to put something in a fund to provide for long-term maintenance issues. Oh man, this is a fund that nobody likes to have to deal with or, or to have to use, but it's just so important. It's the rainy day fund, as Dave Ramsey says. Yeah, church would call them all kinds of things, sinking funds, all kinds of different names for them. But if you do not have a deferred maintenance account, you are in trouble, big, big trouble. And I don't know how to say it any more than this is one of the hugest oversights that most churches make. And it will be the number one reason that when your church hits a hard time, it ends. it must choose to close its door, then find a way to dig in and revitalize and find healing is because the deferred maintenance costs are so bad that no one can afford to fix the building and start something fresh in that church. Take care, be good stewards of what God has given you. And that means remember that your air conditioner is going to break down someday and it's going to cost you $20,000 to get it fixed. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it always goes at the worst possible time when you need it in the middle of the summer and it's VBS time or something like that. Uh, and so, yeah, you're right. You know, and so like here at our association in our camp, we had made a commitment that we would always keep a large amount of money set aside that we would not spend just so that we could cover all the air conditioners at the camp or, you know, the um, Plumbing, boy, plumbing can run you a lot of money when there's freezing issues, you know, and you have pipes burst and things like that. So you need to make sure that those things are covered because what happens if you your air conditioner breaks down in the middle of July in East Texas? Are you going to meet? Are you going to be able to have meetings in your building? Not likely. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, not especially this past summer. They definitely weren't weren't meeting in there this year. So you've got to think about those things. Hot water heaters are going to break. You know, paint needs your church needs to be painted every now and then. That's an inexpensive thing, but it gives you also a chance when you're painting to look and see: Hey, does everything look good in the walls? Is everything in good shape? Do we need to replace um, some fixtures? All those kinds of things. Just taking care of what you have and not letting things go in disrepair is so important. And it's amazing that when I go into dying churches, the first thing I see are all the deferred maintenance things that have not been taken care of year after year after year. Yeah. Alan, we've got a church in our area that um, we just got a bid and it's a small church um, because they had not done what they were supposed to do when it comes to termites. And so now they're having to pay $2,000, which they don't have to pay to get somebody to come in. And so that, and because they haven't dealt with it in the past, there's a lot of their structural issues that if they were to really fix everything, it would cost them $20,000, $30,000. And they, they certainly don't have that. Yeah. So make sure you're taking care of all those things. They're so important. Don't neglect those, those in your budget. That's another reason to be honest in your budget and talk with people. We have costs to this building, and let's look at that. There's a cost of doing ministry, so be faithful with what God has given to you. And by the time you get through these nine, you're looking at it and go, man, this is hard. This is stressful. I don't know what to do. There's one more suggestion, Trent. What, what is that? 
Well, uh, we began well, and we should always end well. And that means that we should pray a bunch more. Uh, you know, we've hopefully been seeking God in our plan. And then we need to pray that God would provide and, and give us wisdom. We want to be a, a church that is accountable. We want to be a church that um, is using money to reach out to the community and beyond. And so pray that God would show the church what to do. Yeah, so that's so important. Pray, 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 pray. Start it well, end it well, as you said. So there are just 10 things we wanted to remind you about as you're planning for your uh, 2024 budget. You know, the ones on there, most of them are kind of, um, I guess, generic, except for the insurance. That one's very specific. But I, I do hope you know that times are changing with insurance and churches are going to have to find some creative solutions for that particular issue. Don't plan for that topic to go away in any budget discussion in the near future. I think that's going to get even harder as we go through. I think also the challenges of finding people. Remember that you don't have to pay everyone a salary. You can use a stipend method. If you don't know what stipends are, you can. we'll let you do a little research on that. But there's a lot of solutions that you can look at, and we hope we help you get started for a 2024 budget. That's true. And so we've been talking about 10 ideas to help you with your 2024 budget today. I hope this has been helpful. We really want to encourage you because we know that, especially most pastors, this is not their forte of dealing with funding and and all this they got so much else on their plate but this is important to talk about so get a good group of people that you trust that are godly praying people and help them put this together for you so alan we've been, had a great conversation today and uh, we sure appreciate people taking time to listen to us don't we we do and we want you to share this and we also want you to give us a review you know the more you review us the more that other pastors will be able to find us um, on itunes wherever it is that they choose to listen to this podcast so give us that really good review if if you don't like us don't review us but if you really like <laughs> us give us give us that positive review and, and share this with someone else as someone else and help them get the word out about the enduring churches podcast we're so grateful for you i hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to catching up with you next week